Glow Journal podcast, a conversation with the beautiful minds behind the world's biggest beauty brands. I'm your host, beauty writer Gemma Watts, and in this episode, I'm joined by the founder of Villelm Perfumery, Jan Algren. Jan has, in all sincerity, enjoyed one of the most interesting careers thus far I have ever had the joy of listening to. Born just outside of Stockholm, Jan shirked very early ambitions to play either tennis or golf professionally in favour of more artistic pursuits, moving to Paris to model, during which time he secured a contract with Chanel. From there, Jan became an interior designer, fashion designer and leather accessories designer respectively. It was during his time designing leather handbags that Jan truly fell in love with the art of perfumery. Inspired by the way 18th century glove makers used to scent their products, Jan met with renowned perfumer Jerome Epinette and fell deeply in love with the process of developing fragrances. It was then, Jan tells me, that he realised this, perfumery, was what he wanted to do for the rest of his life. And so, Villelm Perfumery was born, a fragrance house placing as great an emphasis on design as it does on scent. Villelm is genuinely unlike any brand I have ever come across, somehow striking a balance between futuristic and 1920s inspired, which is something Jan tells me is completely intentional. The early part of this year saw Jan relaunch the brand into the US market, and today, a mere five years after launch, Villelm Perfumery is available in 24 countries. This episode was, of course, recorded remotely, as is the nature of 2020, so if you would prefer to read this interview, I have made the complete transcript available on glowjournal.com. In this conversation, Jan and I discuss his early affinity for fragrance as inspired by his grandfather, the relevance the idea of Pierre Cardin in a spaceship has on his brand, and why he feels perfume houses globally need to start focusing on their carbon footprints. So you were born just outside of Stockholm to an American mother and a Swedish father. So let's start there. What is your very earliest memory of scent? My earliest memory of scent is at the Swedish family summer house. That mm-hmm. would be my memory of scent. And it's actually not my father's or grandfather's or cousins the way what they were. It's actually the smell of fresh cut green grass. That is my really my first scent memory. Because I've thought about it for a while because I've had this question before. And sometimes you imagine that you think that, okay, so this is really the, but no, it is fresh cut green grass. That's my first scent memory. I mean, we have to ask it. Scent is so connected to memory. It would be remiss of me to not ask. Well, you have to ask it. Absolutely. Uh, Yeah, I get it. I just, I think a lot like, okay, so what is it really? Could this be the first or is this, uh, did I have some other memory or which is my first, but it is, no, it is fresh cut green grass. I'm sure of it now. (laughs) That's a good one. Away from scent specifically, do you have any early memories of beauty? Of beauty. I think just like that, I think my whole family is quite aesthetic, you know, that, Mm -hmm. Beauty, that would be more in terms of 
that they like my father lo really looked after himself and so did my grandfather and so does my mom you know and and uh, also the way that they dress and, and stuff like that but in terms of just that they are they, they take care of themselves that my whole family does yeah well, it's interesting that you mention your grandfather because I read that your paternal grandfather always used to wear a custom blend cologne. Do you think that that yeah. is what ignited your interest in fragrance? Probably one of the many things. I, I, I do believe that. Yeah, I think he's one of the one of the reasons for it, and and also my dad and, and mother and and um, and just the way I've lived life. But yes, I would say yeah, he is. So when you were a child, what did you think that you might be when you grew up? Well, first I thought I would be a tennis professional, or I dreamt of being a tennis professional. I played so many times. I have won the Wimbledon, the Australian Open, and the, the big tournaments, but in my dreams, of course. And, of course and, and there was a guy, I actually, he competed against the Swedes, whose name was Pat Cash from of Australia. Of course. Yes. So I wanted to be a, a tennis uh, professional, and I, then later on, I, I wanted to become a golf professional professional neither of these things happened but it was my when I was a kid that was my dream well you were telling me that you'd sent some fragrance to Rod Laver yeah I sent him morning chess yeah good choice I sent him chess and I hope uh, you know I hope he, he will like it and uh, yeah I, I absolutely hope so so I hope to meet him uh, one day one day when we're allowed to travel again potentially well, yes so I understand, I mean, while we're on travel, I understand that you left Sweden for Paris to model. So you're obviously traveling quite a lot. Yeah. Were you beginning to pick up on fragrances and scents at this point at all? And are there any scent memories that have really stuck with you from that time? I think more what I started to pick up then was more about the design element because I, I don't think there's any male uh, or that I know of that want to become a model. For me, it was just a great way of making money and uh and i i was lucky enough to get a contract with chanel uh for a while so just so a I was small very... up and coming designer yeah. up and coming designer not a big and... deal. no not a big deal at all and um so uh at at that time i started working on uh, decorating apartments some of them got into magazines and i realized okay i probably got a knack for for design here and everything that is, you know, visually beautiful or, or something I've, I've always liked, like I've, you know, big, you know, into art a lot and, and so on. So, and that for me is quite connected because I, I think of things in, in color and in scent. So if I've been to a place, usually I, I, I think of it in a color and scent. Uh, that's always been part, part of me, but then I haven't translated that into, you know, later it became my perfume brand, but it took some time for me to, to, to get there. Well, it's been a few different things. I'm not quite sure of the exact timeline here, but if research serves, you spent some time as a fashion designer before relocating yeah. to New York where you were designing leather handbags, and this is where fragrance really entered the piece. Am I right in saying that you were inspired by the way glove makers in 18th century France were scenting their products? Yes, absolutely. So, so when I was designing the leather bags, I wanted them to be recognized not only by the design itself, but also the way the scent that they had. I wanted them that people should, you would walk with your bag 
that I was designing and you would you would really just feel that whiff and 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 oh and and you would recognize it by its silage that it would you know have and and uh, so that's how I got into fragrance really that is correct and is it at that point that you were introduced to Jerome yeah it's at that point point and it's also I because when I got introduced to the world of fragrance and I met Jerome and at Roberté, I, I mean, I completely, completely fell in love. Like, this is what I'm going to do for, for the rest of my life. And it's, I, I felt it very strongly. Like, this was sort of the missing link that I had in terms of my creativity and what was missing. And, and so, yeah, it was the moment it said click. So where did you go from there? Because it's one thing to, you know, find something that you love and that you enjoy. But at what point did you think about physically launching a perfume brand? I, I, I started working a lot. I mean, I was there all the time at, at Robert I mean, they, I mean, they probably got tired of me at some point because constantly they wanted to learn everything. And, and then I, I just felt that, you know, Jerome is, you know, if not, but one of the best perfumers in the world. And, mm-hmm. and, we were working. So we had such a connection, and and the fragrances that came out were so strong together. With I, I felt the whole design. So, I, I for, for some reason I didn't even have a doubt. You know, I, I felt this is what I want to do. I want to launch my brand, uh, and I, you know, the launch itself it, it was at Barney's Colette and Liberty. I, at the time, the strongest accounts mm. you could end. So, I, I felt always in that part. I felt always very confident. Other aspects in my life, not that confident, but when it comes to perfume and creation, yes. <laughs> I, I mean, confident. if you've got one thing that you feel super confident about, that's fine. The rest can yeah, follow. The rest can follow, and I enjoy that as well. It's, it's good to have, you know, uh, your flaws or whatever you have, and, and you learn from everything. So, so, yeah. But in that, I always felt very sure of, of myself and the direction I wanted to take with the fragrances and the brand. So, yeah. I would love to talk more about that launch. So that was 2015. We yeah. talk quite a lot about the process on this podcast because there's so much yeah. that goes into it, of course, beyond just having this great idea. And one element that I feel like most people kind of gloss over a bit is the packaging. But with your brand, it's definitely worth spending some time on. Did you have a really clear idea of what you wanted from the bottles and from the boxes? Yeah, I, I, I wanted, you see, I believe good design, there's something recognizable and familiar about it. So I wanted an odd to the past and to the future. And then, I mean, especially from the 1920s, I take a lot of inspiration from the Art Deco period. So when it comes to the bottle, I wanted something that was felt a bit vintage, but also new at the same time. And you had the newness of feel and the freshness in, 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 you know, in, in the color, in the low shape of it. But then with the stripes on the bottle, you get that old, a uh, little bit uh, vintage effect. And this combination uh, creates for me something that gives, makes it very appealing. And uh, also I wanted the cap to have a specific sound so that your mind would travel to luxury in the subconsciousness. And... Um, for the packaging, I wanted people to be drawn to it, but without sort of really knowing it. And so I based each name of the fragrance makes the pattern on our sleeve on the packaging. So what happens is that when they're all 
on a back wall and you see it because we have many fragrances today this is slight slight variation without you knowing it because it's based on each of the different name of the perfumes that's so yeah. clever it's interesting that you say you wanted it to feel you know like it was inspired by the past but also the future because it does look so I mean, vintage isn't the word, but so 1920s, but it feels so modern as well because so much fragrance now is in these very sort of stripped back apothecary looking bottles yeah. and yours looks yeah. completely different. Yeah, I, I try when people ask me and, and I don't think, I mean, sometimes I, I, I don't think when I explain things, I, I, I'm not sure I make sense sometimes, but when it comes to, I wanted it to feel like Pierre Cardin entered the spaceship in the 1920s and then it took off in the future. Amazing. So that's been my inspiration for the boutique and for, for a lot of things that I have done, yeah. Oh, what a description. How long did it take to get that just right? Because that's a pretty specific idea. Mm, I'd say it took time. It, it took, before I launched, it, it took really some time, you know, to, to work on it and, and to get all the you know, all the different elements right. But, yeah. Were there any big learnings that you took from that time when you were still in development or when the brand was really in its infancy that you find you're still applying to your work now? Yeah, I mean, you learn. I mean, for sure you made, for me in the beginning when I launched the brand, you know, sometimes you, you it takes time to find the right people. You know, I was lucky mm-hmm. to find, right, you know, perfumer and so on but then there's a whole other thing you have the production you have finding all these different you know people to work with and companies and distributors and and it takes time before you find the right team that that make it work you know and that that i think is for every business is it just takes a bit of time to get everything in place and and the right people at the right position in the company and 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 so on and, and finding the right people so I think that's pretty universal too because delegating can be the most difficult thing, particularly if you have such a clear vision from what you want from every element of the business. It can be hard to hand over the reins and really trust that, okay, these external people that aren't in my head are going to get it right. Yeah, that that can be hard, you know, of course. And then also when it's your baby and your brand, you can Mm -hmm. work night and day with it. And, you know, you can't expect people to... Do the same, <laughs> you know, because this was, yeah. That I can absolutely relate to. I would love to talk more about the actual scent development process. How does this process work for you? Do you come to Jerome with an idea or a note that you want to build on? Where do you start and then where do you go from there? Well, it, c- it could be anything. I mean, it could be, it could be, uh, a movie I have seen, it could be a place I visited, it could be, uh, you know, a specific, you know, you know, an exhibition that I've been to, um, you know, it could be that, yeah, it could be, I, you know, I went to see a Francis Bacon uh, exhibition in, in, in Paris, and then it could be that I get inspired by the street artists doing some performance, then maybe something that, you know, I, I, I eat and then this whole thing could then become the inspiration for Jerome. Uh, you know, it's, it's, and I, sometimes I, I you know, I, I bring music, I, I bring whatever it takes that I'm inspired from and it could be these different elements. Yeah. Now the fact that you don't come from a traditional perfumery background, you've clearly made it work to your advantage, 
But has that ever proven difficult at all? No, Great. not at all. No, no I, I don't think, I think it, it worked to my advantage of that I, you know, obviously, I, like you say, I don't come from a perfume background. So my thinking is maybe a little bit outside of, of, of the normal frame, you know, when it comes to perfume and my approach to it. But I, I think I've used this to my advantage to, to make something that is different. Mm. I mean, it gives you a point of difference as, you know, it's, it's like you're creative directing the perfume. Yeah. Yeah. While we are on scent development in that process, I would love to spend a bit of time on Chicago High because composition-wise, it is quite different from the rest of the collection as it doesn't have that overdose of a singular note. Can you talk yeah. me through that creative decision? Yeah, I wanted to do something because in, in the 1920s, you had such iconic fragrances that were launched uh, I mean, around 1920s, it, it was, you know, it was Chanel Number no. 5, it was Mitsuko, it was Shalimar and so on. And, and I, I wanted to really to bring back, I wanted this perfume to, to how I imagined that it would smell there in the 1920s. In, yeah, so, so that's my decision. It was, I, I wanted something that really felt to bring you back to the 1920s and not to the future, so to speak. <laughs> This is simultaneously a broad question and a very specific one, but what would your advice be to anyone who is searching for the perfect fragrance? Searching for the perfect fragrance. When you know, when you find it, what I can tell you is then you can't get enough of it. You just want to bathe in it. In terms of the search process, I think it's more to be, uh, to be just as aware as possible. Like when you walk out and when you walk to work, you know, just don't, just really stop and look around you, feel, smell, look at people, uh, you know, feel the nature, feel the wind, feel everything. Because I, I try to, when I, like, for, when I go to office, when my office and start the day, I try to not have that as, okay, I got to get there. And, and I really try to take the moment to, to look around me to, to see everything and, and, and uh, smell and feel. And, and that's something that I, I work on every day with myself. Do you subscribe to this idea of having a signature scent or are you more in favour of having a fragrance wardrobe? Well, I believe you, even if you find your signature scent, I mean, it is... Which I think you will find someone that really, really hits and, and it stays with you. But then you might have, you know, might depending on season and timing and, and whatever. And you might want to try something new that you also like. But I do think you have that one scent that you, yeah, this one I, I will always be there. Yeah. Okay. So we're allowed to play favorites is what you're saying. Yeah, we are. Of, of course. I mean, I have. You know, it varies from time to time. Then I think I think you might, for some reason, you do have one that always stays with you, but at the same time, you're trying different ones. Mm -hmm. You relocated the brand's headquarters from New York to Paris this year, and I've read that you're now, now able to do a lot more in-house. How has yeah. bringing things in-house changed the creative process for you? Um, creative process. I mean, not much. The only difference is now I'm I'm working with another perfumer at the moment than Jerome because Jerome is located in New York, uh, obviously because of the situation the way it is. Also, so I'm working with a perfumer in Paris because I like to be very hand, you know, 
very much part of the process uh, physically and and um so um I, I can't say that it has changed much, no. Well, that's good. Yeah. That's a very good thing. Earlier this year, you relaunched into the US and the brand is now available in something to the tune of, I think, 24 countries. Have you yeah. noticed any major differences in the ways that people from different regions approach fragrance, perhaps any differences between Europe and the US? I would say in, in US, they approach it a little bit differently, like... A uh, little bit more commercial, I would say, still than they are mm-hmm. in Europe. I feel Europe has, they still like a little bit of the uh, old time perfumes, I would say. <laughs> yeah, uh-huh. I would well, you, say so. Can you go into detail on old time perfumes? Oh, sorry, I don't know how to. Well, <laughs> commercial in, in the US, a little bit more, I feel a little bit more fruity, uh, a little yeah. bit, yeah. A little bit more commercial, yes. Uh, then once, I mean, definitely, I, 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 that's why sometimes I love going to, or I love going to, uh, you know, the Middle East, because, I mean, their culture and the way that they wear fragrance, I love that. You know, they, they are, their knowledge and, and how they use perfume and, and uh, you know, it's so much part of their culture. I mean, them, I think, have come the furthest, uh, I must say. I mean, while we're kind of on, I guess, commercial fragrances, in recent years we have seen a huge rise in the prominence and the popularity of niche fragrance houses. Why do you think that is? Why do you think consumers are celebrating these brands and investing in smaller batch-made scents rather than, you know, your bulk-made fragrances from the big multinationals? I I think these have been made with closer uh, contact with the perfumer. There's been a an enormous amount of time spent on it, enormous amount of passion spent on it. And I think uh, the knowledge is, you know, of the people that are doing, they want to create something that is not just, you know, what's selling the best at the moment or just to, you know, to to make, you know, money on it. It's really for the love of of perfume and the creation. And this really shows, uh, yeah. You have sat at the helm of Wilhelm Parfumery for over five years now, but obviously you've been involved and inextricably linked to beauty and fashion for quite some time. Over Uh, the last few years, what have been the biggest changes that you have seen within the beauty industry? uh, One thing that I am so happy about is that we're really going to, you know, looking now at uh, the carbon footprint, you know, the environmental aspect of it which we we have to take that route i mean not only from a moral uh point of view but also you know from a business uh, as well you you can't and you you can't just go another way looking forward that is a huge huge shift you know when you look at packaging and that whole thing the whole aspect of that so that i'm very 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 glad about then there i've also seen in the niche perfumery, I've seen such an enormous amount of launches. Uh, maybe a little bit. There are many, many great brands and there have been many good launches, but I think they have a little bit also some that maybe are not so what I would say niche or work through or, or in that regards. That I have seen. And what changes do you think we can expect to see from the beauty industry over the next couple of years? I 
think that you have to the ones since we have so many many brands and or in, uh, in in the niche segment and I also because people are getting more and more educated uh, within perfume I think the brands who really really go their own way and and uh, and think a little bit outside of the box and keep on working that close to the perfumers and not trying to uh, cut costs too much on, on material and, and so on, they, they will stay on. So I think really the quality of, of the fragrance, these are the ones that will, will stay on. I, I believe so. I hope so. I think yeah, I, yeah I, I do think so because the, the knowledge is so... Now people are getting very, very, very much, you know, knowledgeable when they, once you have discovered niche perfume, you don't go back, you know, you, and you want to, you educate yourself within it and your, your scent, uh, the way you, you use perfume and, and the fragrances you choose will change uh, once you started to get into to niche. Completely agree with that. All of my old perfumes just sort of got pushed to the back of the cupboard once I discovered fragrances that really resonated yeah. my final question what is next for Villain Parfumery oh well next for Villain Perfumery is that we're opening up a boutique in mm-hmm. Paris finally uh, which, finally and I am very excited about this it's located on 58 Rue de Charon so it's close to George V and Champs-Élysées in Paris I whipped out uh, the Google map earlier and it's in the best spot. Yeah, oh. it's in a very good location. I'm very excited about this because here, you know, I can really showcase the whole Willem environment that I want to, to show people. You know, I can, the music uh, that that fits, that or there is the brand, uh, the sound. I guess because you're a jazz fan, aren't you? Yeah, I'm a huge mm-hmm. jazz fan. So I, I can, you know, just make people enter into the Wilhelm world. That, that's my goal. And, and uh, yeah, Amazing. so that's happening. Then we're opening up a boutique in Moscow uh, after New Year. I don't know the exact date for anything right now because of the <laughs> No COVID. one does. Uh, yeah, so that's the two things that are happening uh, in terms of uh, our own boutiques. Then we're opening up a large corner at Saks um, Fifth Avenue. We're getting a very nice space there that is also happening at the moment. And then, of course, I launched at Mecca. Mm. You know, I'm, I know I'm in such good hands because they have such good reputation and you know they're a real pleasure to work with. So I'm very glad about that. That was Jan Algren, founder of Wilhelm Parfumery, which you can find on Instagram at Wilhelm underscore Parfumery. To read this interview, you can visit glowjournal.com. And for more beauty news, you can find me on Instagram at gemkwatts or at glow.journal. If you liked this episode, please do not forget to subscribe, rate, review and share so other beauty and business lovers can find us. I'm Gemma Watts, you've been listening to the Glow Journal podcast and thank you for joining me.